0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DieCast Movie Review Podcast. My name is Michaela Turk, and I'm joined here with my dad, Steve, and my brother, Ben. And we also have a special guest with us today. Dad, would you like to introduce him?
1: Yeah, today we're joined by Tim Durbin, whose knowledge of monster horror films is probably up there with most anybody else I know. How are you doing today, Tim?
2: I'm doing just fine, Steve. Uh, Thanks so much for having me on.
1: Oh, you're welcome. And, um... I mean, your movie knowledge is, is extensive. Like I said, I know you mostly for monster kid radio and the classic cars club podcast, you know, seeing you comment on um, the different Facebook sites, but I think you, I think you pretty much love every kind of movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do. The movies are, are a fun escape and, and it um, have been a passion of mine for many, many years
1: now. Awesome, and uh, You keep a blog up, of the movies, like don't you do like little mini reviews or things like that?
2: Yes, capsule reviews. I, I do that at, at viewing the classics. Um, that's the name of my 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 blog. Viewing the classics. I focus mostly on on science fiction and horror films, but uh, every once in a while, I'll do something different.
1: And for those that are listening, I'll have a link to the blog in the description, so you can always. You know, get it later on. You don't have to worry about writing it down. I'm waiting for Michaela. This, this usually happens to her. She, she was so focused on our conversation. I know Ben will edit this part out, but she's going to talk about introducing the trailer to the movie and um, but and that kind of thing. So Ben will edit this. He's probably, Ben's loving him when he gets to do all this extra editing.
3: This is the third time this week. <laughs>
0: okay. I forget sometimes which part comes next. Anyway, so the movie we are reviewing in this episode is called The Sound of Horror, and we're going to play the audio from the trailer for everybody now. You will shiver
2: and shake, quiver and quake, when you hear the unearthly,
0: uncanny sound that signals hideous death, the sound of horror. Now look here. There's a treasure worth a million dollars in that cave and no myth is going to stop us from getting it. I've spent years trying to find this treasure and now that we're at the end of the rainbow, nothing is going to stop us. Nothing that's human. In the ancient caves of Greece, they seek a fortune and release a destructive force beyond control. Close up all the windows and bolt the doors.
2: Maria,
1: are you all right there? I'm not going to be for long.
0: Hurry, Pete. They can't see it. They can't escape it. They can only hear it and fear it. can only shiver
2: and shake, quiver and quake at that blood-curdling, inhuman
0: sound of horror.
1: So Tim, everybody just got to hear the trailer on that. Um, one of the things uh, we forgot to mention earlier on is what's been up with you. If you want to share anything with the listening audience, what's been going on, or anything you you might want to tell people to watch besides this movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, um, basically, um, at the time we're recording this, we're still in uh, we're still in quarantine, and uh, so I've been trying to stay in as as much as. Uh, possible. I have a uh, 11-year-old son that, that I have custody of part of the week, and so I've pretty much been going um, out to to pick him up and, and take him uh, from his special school. Um, but other than that, I've been staying in, watching a lot of movies, and, and uh, just trying to um, uh, have fun and enjoy myself.
1: Yeah, I think we can say we've all been trying to find different things to keep ourselves busy during the lockdown. I'm one of the essential employees, so I get to work, you know, Monday through Friday, like normal, but outside of that, I get, you know, to come home and get to actually spend more time with my family and get to do different things. And we're recording this, as Tim said, during the um, the lockdown phase and um, hopefully by the time this airs, that will be over and things will be on the up, you know, on the rise and improving. Um, because we're putting this one to have in the can for later on.
0: So, Tim, why don't you talk a little bit about why you picked The Sound of Horror as the movie you wanted to review with us?
2: Well, uh, this is a um, uh, an old uh, Spanish horror film. It was actually filmed in Spain, although it's set on a Greek island. Um, I discovered it um, a couple of years ago, um, and um, I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, and I'll take you, uh, into a, a full synopsis in a, in a moment, but basically it's, it's a movie about, um, a, a bunch of, uh, um, partners in archeology span who get together to, to hunt, um, for, a, a treasure worth uh, close to a million dollars, um they have a lot of trouble finding it and, and they, uh, um, basically, um, unleash, um, a creature. And it's, um, it's very unique, um, very different. Uh, it has Ingrid Pitt in the cast, um, who, who later made her name in, in the hammer horror films. Um, and, uh, I just think it's really, um, really interesting and despite its low budget um it's well written there's there's a lot of a lot of background and character character development that you don't don't often see in these kinds of movies so um that's how i found out about it and that's that's why i i um, like it and wanted to uh do it for this podcast
1: yeah for those that don't know um I asked him if he wanted to join us on the podcast, and he said yes, and we rolled the dice, and he ended up getting horror. So he actually did have to do a die roll. We just didn't record it at the time. Um, so So he wasn't, like, allowed to pick his own genre or pick any movie he wanted. He had to, that narrow scope. But, of course, when I saw it rolling horror, I knew he was basically right in his element. Yes, that's for
2: sure.
1: So you talked about one of the things that you liked about it was the writing and um, and, and the things along those lines. Uh, Does anybody else, Ben or Michaela, did anything else you want to talk about with likes to tailor on, to to tie on or add on to what Tim said?
3: Um, One thing that I liked about it was that it was a fairly large cast for the type of film that it is. Usually when it's a film like this where there's a monster released and they're hiding in essentially like a cabin or a house, it's usually only like four people, maybe five. But this one seemed to have more like eight or nine people in it that were main characters, and it set it up a bit better and gave more development between them.
1: Yeah, I agree. The the characters definitely had some nice interaction with them, and, and they came in waves, so to speak. You had the first wave and the second wave. Of characters, so you got to establish a little bit of what's going on with the relationships with the first group, and then the second group came in, and uh, yeah, it was it was a big cast. And actually, I expected a higher body count than there ended up being because I saw it was a bigger group than normal.
3: Um, yeah, that is one other thing that I saw there. I was like, oh, so like maybe two of them are going to make it out. And then from watching it, I started thinking. Since we said that we would give out some spoilers, I thought it was only going to be pete and maria that were gonna make it out and i was like oh wait a minute they're the ones everybody cares about they're definitely gonna die and then like they just didn't (laughs) and uh, actually a lot of them made it out i think it was five Four four of them four escaped and the one dude he kept wanting to sacrifice himself which was kind of funny because every time he tried to do it all these other characters would be like, "Oh no, there's a way where we can do it without anybody having to die," and they were pretty creative in the ways that they did different things. But eventually, he did get that last blaze of glory that he wanted. No pun intended.
1: I was going to say that that was. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you want to add in there, Tim?
2: Well, um, yeah, the the large cast is is what was another of the things about the film that I, that I found unique and, and we get to know each, each of them and what their backstory is. And, and um, that, that's why I, I think the film has kind of, kind of resonated in my memory because it's not just some, um, um, not, not developed characters um, running from a, running from a creature. It's, 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 it cares to introduce each each of the uh, uh, characters to us and and tell them tell us what they're all about.
1: Exactly, and uh, I think that I think you and Ben are both in agreement on that. Michaela, anything that you particularly um, want to add on the like department?
0: Um, I did like the set design that they did for the main room of the house um, because they put so many windows and shutters and doors in the house itself it gave them a lot of room to play and I know that there wasn't a very big budget for this movie and that's why they had an invisible monster for the most part um but that gave them a lot of room to show there's something there without actually having to show it to you um which I thought was very clever and very uh a nice way to go about like inducing that there's something trying to get in here and we don't know what it is. And so I liked that.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and I think the sound was very good in helping us know that the monster was present um, with the, the, the different shrieks and the, the like the foot drag or the leg drag sound, which I guess would be its tail because when it, when you saw it walking, well, you didn't see it walking, but when you saw the footprints in the flower, it didn't look like it was dragging its legs. So I'm guessing it maybe had a tail and that was the sound of the dragging or I'm just reading way too much into this um, low-budget film.
3: <laughs> I mean, if you do see it uh, towards the end of the film, it does look like it has a tail when you see the, like, staticky outline of it.
1: All right. Um, anything you want to add in there, Tim, on that part with the um, the set design or the sound?
2: Um, the sound is, is really uh, the primary um method by by which the filmmakers let us know where the dinosaur is and um and where he um how close he's he's getting to to the cast um and it's it's a a really kind of eerie shriek uh that you probably heard in the trailer um as well as a uh shuffling sound that maybe was the dragon tail like you uh uh, mentioned before Uh, i also like the uh the set design, um, uh, not just in the, in the house, but, um, immediately outdoors and, um, in the, uh, caves, um, where the, they really put in emphasis on, um, showing, um, the archeologists in, in their environment and what they, uh, had to, to do to try and excavate and, and try to, um, uh, find the treasure that they were looking for.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the, the, I like the cave design, um, the outdoor part. Uh, they established different things like the vehicle Diana, um, the the one guy Pete named his his uh, vehicle that, and uh, also they had. I liked the I was I was watching it with Michaela, the um, the housekeeper. What was her name? Um, Calliope. Calliope. Yeah, Calliope. I kept saying to her there's a deaf curse, you know, from those old 80s shows. (laughs) Because every time she talked, it's cursed. It's a curse. I kept waiting waiting for it. Come on, say it. Say it. Say it as a deaf curse. I'm just, oh, if if she would have said it, I would have been given this, you know, like overjoyed because it would have been like 20 years prior to it or whatever, 10, 14 years prior to it actually being utilized so many times in movies. But I do have to say when um, Calliope died, that was probably one of the, it goes so much against the way her characterization was set up where she's worried about curses and other stuff, but yet she just walks right outside to get water twice. Yes. <laughs> and the first time she knows the creatures out there cause she hears it, but she goes out there again because dang it, they need that coffee. And <laughs> so I felt that was kind of for her character. It was a weird way to go. But having said that, when the characters do get killed, I did like the effects with the slash marks, the makeup that they did. I thought that was really good. Um, It it definitely got it across.
3: Yeah, I didn't think it was, like, overly gory for the time period, but I thought that it was, like, oh, I almost wanted to say adequate, but it was above adequate in the way that they did the slashes, especially on the one older gentleman. I think his last name was Dogerty. I believe, his leg. Dorman? Got, Dorman. Dorman, yeah. When he got a like, gash, yeah. gash on the back of his leg and how it, it really looked like his leg had just gotten cut open and it was a very good effect.
0: I liked their use of the rule of three, um, where if you do, it's sort of like you do something three times and it's funny, um, but if you do something more than three times, then it just loses your audience interest. And they used it where it seemed like they're going to beat this monster three different times, and and the third time they actually do beat it. Um, But there's three different instances where they think they've killed it, and they go to leave, and they find out it's not dead, and they try to kill it, and they think it's dead, and then they go to leave, and then it's not dead again. The third time, they finally do kill it. But I think that's part of the writing, and I like that part.
1: To be honest, I think the second time when it was bleeding, or whatever, I don't think they really. I, for my watch, I didn't think they thought he was dead. The creature was dead.
0: Well, I didn't necessarily think that it was dead, but they thought it was gone and not going to bother them anymore.
1: Yeah, that they'd have time to escape. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that part. What do you think, Tim?
2: Yes, I. Um, uh, per- first of all, um, I want to co- compliment Michaela because I I hadn't thought about the. Things happening in threes, I think. I think that's a real unique perspective, of, and I like that. Um, as, as far as the um, uh, the invisible dinosaurs, um, and uh, we we do get to to see um, it in glimpses, um, and uh, the the tough thing is is that if it's if you kill it, you you won't be able to tell because you won't be able to see the body. Um, so they they do just have to assume at one point that either they've driven it off or or um, trapped it. At one point, they think it's been been um, trapped in the in the cave after some dynamite dynamite's gone off, so they'll never see it again. Um, but of course, they do.
1: Yeah, one of the effects I think Ben wanted was telling me that he liked was the egg. and You want to talk about that, Ben?
3: Yeah, I liked how on the mantle they had what they thought was a dinosaur egg that had turned to stone so it wouldn't be able to hatch anymore and that they could take it and use it as like a huge archaeological find. But it just starts cracking open slowly. And then as there's literally a romance scene going on in front of it in the same room, Slowly starts to like poke out its eyes, and you know it's like getting ready to kill these people. And then all of a sudden, bam! It comes one of the archaeologists, archeolo- and he just whams on this thing with a fire poker. And it was like, oh my gosh! It got violent really quickly.
1: And and that was Dorman, who we got to give credit. He killed two creatures. That's true. Dorman was the man. He went out fighting just like he wanted.
2: This might be a good segue, um, to, to discussing each of the characters briefly, um, to, to give the audience an, an idea of, of, um, who they are and the dynamics between them. Um, there are three, um, archaeologists, um, uh, uh one's named Pete Paziloff, one is named, um, Andre, um. And the other is Dorman. And um, Andre's um, niece is uh, one of the ladies in the story. And she is uh, um, Maria. Yeah, Maria. I forgot to mention her name. And she is kind of falling for their driver, Pete, who, who has, they, as Ben said before, uh, named his car, has named his car Diana and is very much into his car and, and babying it and, and and washing it and taking care of it. But he also uh, kind of falls for Maria and and is one of the um, the people who becomes more physically um, involved with uh, protecting everybody and um, going after the dinosaur. Um, there's also a um, an assistant. Uh, named uh, Stavros uh, Stravos, who, um, who dies pretty quickly in the story. So we don't get to know as, as much about him as the others. Um, Ingrid Pitt is the uh, girlfriend of Azaloff and um, uh, she has a, um, a memorable dancing sequence um, which is followed by another uh, dance done by Maria which is kind of at the center of the film. And just just kind of a, a nice way to distinguish the characters. Um, and then, of course, there's Calliope, um, the Greek housekeeper, who, um, it, as you said, is, is continually warning um, anyone from going in the cave and, and saying that um, it's dangerous and it's a curse come true. Um, I think that's
1: everybody. Yes, that's everybody, you know uh, that that that, uh, that I could think of, And And of course, Ingra Pitt's character was Sophia. For those wondering what her character's name was, and this is one of her early films, isn't it? it's like a, it's it's either her. It's, it's gotta be one of her first couple.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think she was she was kind of um, appearing in a multiple of of movies for. Um, for various filmmakers. I think early on, she had a, um, she even had a film for Orson Welles, she did. Um, But um, it wasn't until um, 1970 uh, when she was in the Vampire Lovers that she really became a big name um, and went on to make a number of um, uh, British horror films after that.
1: And the actor that played um, Professor Andre Antonio Casas? His face looked familiar, and I think he was in a spaghetti western. Wasn't he in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly? Yes. Where the bad um, comes to that one house, and he's the father that's there, and and he's eating in front, and he knows he's going to get killed by Lee Van Cleef's character. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Every so often I'm right, you know. Like they say, even a broken clock is right twice a day. So this is my once. I mean, I got one good. I got one more right for the day left. Well, oh, thanks, Michaela. I already used it, so I'm, I'm. I'm. That's it. I'm not good anymore for the rest of the day. <laughs> um, Maria, the actress that played Maria. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. Soledad Miranda.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably
1: right. I was I was reading up on her because I was curious, like, because her face did look familiar, but I couldn't remember other films that she had been in. when I mean, she died tragically when she was 27 in a car accident.
2: Yeah, I th- um, I think that um, really right before that um, she she had appeared in several movies and she was starting to get a uh, some acclaim for the movie she made uh, for Jess Franco which includes a um, uh, a version of uh, Count Dracula that starred Christopher Lee um, so uh, she, she was really starting to um, um, get noticed and get a claim. And then she had that tragic car accident.
1: Exactly. It would have been, inter- it, you know, it would have been interesting to see what her career would have been like. Um, if, if that wouldn't have happened because it was so young. Um, Ben Michaela, you guys have anything else you want to add to the, that you enjoyed about the movie?
3: I did enjoy how it was, how it was almost eerie not to see the monster in great detail throughout the entire film. It kind of reminded me of, pretty sure it came out well after this film, but it was, I saw it before I saw this one, uh, The Forbidden Planet, where the monster's like invisible, and where the monster's invisible, and then you just like don't see it throughout the film, but it's still extremely creepy and eerie, and has almost a more impactful effect because you just don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, Forbidden Planet, it came out about like 10 years earlier, and in the, in the id creature... is is definitely one of my favorite um, creatures, and and partly because you said you you barely ever see it, and I think your imagination just takes things to a different realm, which I know it did for Michaela. Do you want to talk about after after we got done watching the movie, Michaela?
0: So, we watched the movie, and we probably finished it around 11 or 11.30 or something like that at night. Um, And then... I needed to take the dog outside to go to the bathroom before we went to bed. And I didn't really want to go. Not because the movie is, like, scary or anything like that, but it just put the thought in my head of, like, just because I don't see something doesn't mean that something's not there. And so I did not want to take the dog outside for a walk, but I did anyway.
1: So it just shows you that the movie still has some impact in different ways. And and, and, uh, I think the tension in the movie by not knowing where the monster was until you can hear it was shown pretty well with the actors involved. Anything you want to add, Tim?
2: Yes. I I think um, it's a, it's a a great use of, of getting the audience to use their imagination. Um, In other words, the, even though the film doesn't have many special effects and, and, and the the monster isn't on camera most of the time, his, his presence is felt. And, and you, you really, um, start using your imagination as you're watching the movie, um, um, imagining what the, what the creature looks like and where it might be and, um, who might be the next to go. Um, so I just think it, um, that's a really great approach and um, um, a really good use of the of the budget and and of the um, uh, getting the the actors to um, to make this all believable to the audience.
1: I agree. I think that the the um, filmmaker did use the budget he had. I think it was a. I can imagine him sitting around the table trying to think. Okay, we got this script. It's a pretty good script. What are we going to do? We don't have the money to really do the monster credit. And then somebody, I can just imagine, just said, invisible. And they're like, yes. And they just ran with it. And uh, it worked. Does anybody have anything else they want to talk about on the like department with the movie?
0: I think I already talked about most of the things that I liked about the movie. I don't know if um, either the three of you have any other things you want to add.
3: Oh, I wanted to add that I did like how they did the lighting, in, especially in the cave scenes, because it wasn't just like they were walking into a cave that automatically had lights in it. You actually see them like putting the lights out, and the angle of the lighting actually changes when they put these lanterns in different spots, which I thought was really cool and made it more realistic for in the cave. Even though you know it's like they have a big light hanging over top of it to illuminate the scene, it brought in a lot more realness to the cave and give it more of a enclosed and
1: dark feeling. Anything you want to add, Tim, before we move on from likes?
2: Uh, No, no, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think we've, we've really covered the game of this as far as uh, the cool things about the movie.
1: Now with Tim, this is where the part where you move into things that either we didn't like or felt that maybe could have been improved, you know, the, the Monday morning quarterback of the movie type thing. And, uh, where we get to talk about did, did they do everything the way we wanted to. So is there anything that you felt they could have improved or um, that you didn't like about this film? We'll start with you since you picked it. I doubt you had that many.
2: <laughs> yeah. now for the most part. Um, I, I think a lot of things were done, done uh, pretty cleverly. Um, there at one point, um, the, the characters find a, um, a mummy in the, um, uh, in the caves and we don't really get to find out much about it. Um, so, so I think that, that might've been kind of a, uh, a lost opportunity there to, to add some, add some background. Um, but again, for the, for the most part, I, I think it's, um, uh, I think it's done very well and, and, um, I don't really have any,
1: any complaints or criticisms. Okay, Michaela? Okay, she's got nothing right now. Ben
3: that I did have is that they didn't really elaborate too much on the like the backstory of, the backstory of like why nobody would go near this cave like, why they thought it was haunted by evil spirits. They kind of just said that it was and that no one would go near it. But they didn't really mention, like, oh, one time this dude stayed here and, boom, his whole flock of sheep was dead and he died too. They didn't really, like, have the ghost story to go with the legend. And that was something that I thought could have added a little bit to the movie. Like, if... Calliope had sat at the fire one night while they were there and told them this incredibly horrific ghost story or something that helped jar them a little bit to add a little bit more terror to the film and to add a bit more suspense to what you think is happening. But that's just my personal opinion. It doesn't take away from the movie that it's not there. I just thought it was something that could have added a little bit.
1: I could see that she can say, there's a reason for this death curse. And then she could have went into that part. Um, for me, I have to say, the axes that they throw into the creature, just seeing them stuck in the middle of the screen, so to speak, and then moving. I know it's a low budget, but it was almost like... Uh, it, 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 it was hard to take. <sighs> That, that was definitely, you know, I mean, there was a lot of things they were able to do, but that part there, it, it didn't work the way it intended. I don't think it would have worked if I saw it in 1966. I'm not thinking, like, with modern eyes. I mean, it, it got the point across, but it was just... You know, it, it, it would have been nice, like, if the axes were stuck there, you could have saw some blood or something coming from them, but you saw later, but not when it was approaching them. Uh, but... And that's, that's and like I said, it's, it's it's a matter of like Ben said, we're you know being a little nitpicky. It didn't take it didn't take me out of the film, but it was one of those things you're just looking at, thinking like, oh, really okay.
0: Yeah, and I think um, the only thing that I can really think of at the moment that I would have maybe said they could have improved is when they were trying to lure the creature out, and they were putting the flower down on the ground, and I think the one. One character was named Pete. Mentioned it in the movie and is like, "Oh, we better hope this doesn't backfire on us, because they only put the flower in one area, and if the monster had come, like, from any other side, <laughs> they wouldn't know because it would have went around the flower."
3: You see, the whole time they <laughs> were doing that, I thought the plan was to put Dormund in the middle of the flower <laughs> so that the monster would go to him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought they were going to have somebody on the roof when they talked about the flower and have Dorman on the porch, and then he just poured a flower on the monster, and then he could see it. But that, it, 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 it whatever, it worked for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought
2: it was, um, it was rather fortunate that they had those three huge sacks of flour in the house.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Calliope was prepared. <laughs>
1: And that's already not counting the flour. That was the creature knocked over and it left the footprints in the kitchen to begin with because, you know, unless they picked that flour up, this is a, this is additional flour. So yes, she was ultra prepared for the flour. <laughs> and I, I think, I don't, I'm not going to put this as a dislike or a like. I'm just going to put it as an interesting thing. And Ben noted a little bit, Dorman just wanting to sacrifice himself at every opportunity. He's like, I'll go. And they're like, no. We have another way. And then he's like, thank you for not, thank you, I'm still alive. But I always find it interesting that it's like um, when they went, when they had the axes, Pete didn't have the axe. To start with, he had like, it looked like a machete. And Dorman comes up to him and says, here, Pete, this will be a better weapon. It's like, wait a minute, you're the, you're the dude who wants to sacrifice himself and you're your the other guy a weapon. You should just go out there and charge him. <laughs> <laughs> It's like no, Pete. You're young. You go. You go fight. You know. But I mean, it, it, it was kind of interesting that that the same guy that's saying I'd rather go out fighting with my bare hands hands the other guy to the axe. I don't know. It was just. It was just. I just thought it was funny, unintentionally funny. I think. But that, that's all I have for like things I didn't like about the film. And uh, anybody else have any? That I know, Tim said he didn't.
0: I can't really think of much except uh, I think you mentioned it earlier how Calliope went outside twice to get water and that kind of bothered me a little bit because of her previous character development of where we shouldn't be here this is dangerous and so to me it's like I could maybe see the first time her forgetting There's a monster out there and just being like going through the motions of, oh, making coffee. Oh, the water is empty. Might as well go get some more water. Um, But once she heard the noise of the monster the first time, they would have not been getting coffee from me. I can just tell you that. I would have not gone out there again. And I don't think Calliope realistically would have either.
1: And leave the kitchen door open both times.
0: Yeah, and leave the kitchen door. Like, I don't think so. Also, then when they all came out to see what was happening, they all just stood there and watched her being attacked by the invisible dinosaur.
3: Well, Pete did start going to help her, and then one of the other ones stopped him and pulled him back. and was kind of like, she's going to die. So, I mean, he, he was going to go.
1: And that's like like in those fights when you're saying, I'm going to get you and your buddy's holding you back because you're like, hold me back, man. Don't let me go out there. Hold me back. I'm looking tough.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, at that point, there was nothing that they could have really done for her and they should have hightailed it back into the house and locked all the doors and the windows. But no, they they stood there and then calmly kind of, wandered back to the house
3: it was almost like the scene when um when maria had gotten stuck in one of the bedrooms and the monster was in the hallway and they had figured out this trick to try and get the monster to go after pete and he was gonna run around the house and get back in the front door the guy closing the front door was so relaxed he didn't get it closed in time and i thought the monster was just gonna get him at that point because he was like he, like, looked, saw Pete was okay, saw Maria was okay, starts slowly closing the door. And then all of a sudden, you, of course, the monster's going to be there. Just starts banging on the door. He, they barely get it closed. I was like, oh, man, this dude does not know what panic is.
1: Yeah. He had nerves of steel from the war. <laughs> okay, so let's go over, um, do we recommend this movie for other people? And Tim, we'll start with you.
2: Well, I think so. I think um, I I would say as a caveat that, that if you go in expecting uh, great special effects and 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 um, and expecting to see the d- dinosaur, uh, uh, that's not what you're gonna going to see. Um, but if you if you like movies that are cleverly written if you like movies that that um, care about the characters and um, take time to, to set them up and and explain why they're they're unique um, and you like horror movies where um, um, people are being uh, stalked by a creature um, I think this will probably be right up your alley and and you should enjoy it
1: okay Uh Michaela
0: I would probably situationally recommend this movie um depending upon the person who was asking about it um because I know a lot of like my friends and the people that I know would this would probably not be their type of movie um just because they don't either don't like horror movies or they don't I don't think it would keep them occupied enough Um, however I don't think it's a bad movie and I think it's something that people should see once if this is like if they like horror movies or they like older more like classically done movies um, I think they would like it like our cousin Charlie would probably like this movie um, but he's also a cinema major so I'd probably recommend it to him but whereas some of my other friends i wouldn't recommend it to them
1: okay ben
3: uh yeah while i was watching this movie i actually recommended it to a friend of mine <laughs> that i was talking to on the phone <laughs> so yes yes i would definitely recommend this movie to people especially if they like horror films or are interested in black and white movies or just older cinematography um yeah I thought it was very enjoyable. It kept my attention better than some of the movies that we've watched and reviewed. And I thought it was kind of refreshing with the character development. Yep. I enjoyed it a lot. Definitely recommend.
1: As for me, I'm gonna recommend the movie and part of it, I think all three of you have said already, you know, depending on what type of films you like. You know, is, is, is whether you're going to enjoy this movie or not. But also, it's a low budget film. And when I do talk about low budget films, yes, we did talk about some of the effects, like with the axes, weren't as good. But they're working with a minuscule budget. And I think for people that are doing movies that do not have much of a budget, this is a good one to watch for some ideas of how to handle situations with the set decorating, with handling different things. And and they can learn from this this movie. So I think if you're a cinema major and you're trying to do a low budget um, action movie or horror movie or whatever kind of movie, this would be a good movie to um, to view and learn from because they had good makeup effects. The, the acting was was solid. Um, you know, so you had, they had a lot of people that were up and coming or were established character actors in these different roles. And the uh, the dubbing you know, as a finished movie to dubbing did not take me out of the movie at all, which we didn't talk about before, you know, so it wasn't, uh, it was, you know, it was pretty well dubbed. And uh, so overall I think four out of four recommends. So Tim, what did you think of it joining us on your your first episode with us on reviewing?
2: I had, a, I had a great time. Uh, uh, I really have to, to thank everyone uh, for for inviting me and making me feel welcome. And um, I was glad that we could introduce a, um, a bit of a wider audience uh, to this film and, and hopefully um, it will become uh, more people's uh, uh, favorite or, or one of their favorites. Um, So thanks again uh, so much for, for welcoming me and, and having me over. Um, And I, I just had a great
0: time. And thank you, Tim, for joining us. Dad, did you want to plug the uh, ways people can contact us?
1: Just before I do, again, thank you, Tim. And um, one thing, this movie is available on Amazon Amazon Prime, so you can um, uh, watch it, you know, at your leisure if you have Amazon Prime. Otherwise, I think it's kind of hard to... I'm not sure if it's on YouTube also. You would know maybe more, Tim, like the availability of it?
2: Well, I, I the way I have it is, um, is alpha video had put out a DVD of it. Um, um, but I think it's in the public domain and, and, uh, you should be able to find it on uh, other sources as, um, as well as YouTube and, and Amazon prime.
1: Yeah. So definitely it's, it's worth a watch. It's not going to cost you anything, you know? Um, so it's, it, it's an hour and a half long. It's an enjoyable film. Um, Ways you can contact us, you can follow us on Facebook at Diecast Movie Review Podcast and feel free to um, like and follow. And that way, when we have new episodes come out, you automatically will get a notification. And if you have any um, questions or comments, you can send them to us at diecastmoviereviewpodcast at gmail.com. And, Ben, how else can they follow us?
3: They can also follow us on Instagram at Diecast Movie Reviews. They can also DM us on Diecast Movie Reviews with any questions, recommendations, or opinions about our reviews.
0: All right. Um, so, thank you everybody for joining us for this episode of the Diecast Movie Review podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And uh, stay tuned to see which movie we'll pick next.